0: ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Two White Folks on this episode, Lennontown, Part Two. This conversation starts with uh, me asking Joey to go into a little more detail about his research
1: with the Urban Renewal Project. But I also had the opportunity to meet with some of the descendants of those who worked in the urban renewal project. Paul Hodgins was the urban renewal director. He was the executive director of the program. And for our listeners who've been here long enough, or who are uh, who are astute to know what happens at UGA, the Hugh Hodgins School of Music. Hugh Hodgins, Paul, they were related the Hodgson's oil company. The Hodgson's name here in Athens is huge. They have wealth beyond wealth and power. But I I had a chance to meet with Paul's son, one of his sons, Tom Hodgson. Now, Paul was a realtor at the time, not a well-to-do guy. He had what could be a middle-class lifestyle as a white man with a family and one of his younger sons tom was about 10 or 11 while this was going on and and tom and i talked for a while i recorded the conversation and tom's wrestling with the issue was he couldn't really understand why there was so much animosity and pain because of the program because the intent of the program, quote unquote, was to update the city, was to put people in public housing because that's where the most updated amenities were going to be. Mm. Tom and I had talked for a while. Then Tom took me into his office, and Tom, he's the family historian, and telling me about Carriage Company and the history of the family. When you go into his office, he has all sorts of, all sorts of artifacts on his walls and I'm looking around and like to my immediate right as you walk into the door there's this frame about the size of a book and I'm looking at the frame I'm looking at what's in it and I remember Tom saying to me uh oh I wish you didn't see that and I knew I knew what it was and I wish I had taken a photo of it but it's so taken aback it was a piece of cotton paper. It was a fucking slave receipt mm. for the house slave that the Hodgins family had purchased in about the 1840s, I think it was. Mm. And I'm sitting here going, why is this on this man's wall in a frame? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't belong on your wall. Mm. And Tom kind of talked around it. I just, and in the moment I left it alone because I wanted to like, put a pin in it for later for like a moment like this. And when we're talking about putting together a history center Mm -hmm. through the Lenin resolution and in connection to the Montgomery museum, Mm -hmm. places where this belongs to talk about the violent history of slavery Mm -hmm. and white supremacy. It doesn't belong on your wall. It's not a memento. When I'm talking to Tom, who is the son of Paul Hodgins, the Hodgins family yep. having owned a slave yeah and so i i tell the story to f- frame the destruction of lennon town and other black communities here through urban renewal hmm. it is the legacy and the logic of slavery because the path through which you get from slavery to urban renewal, you have to go through the Klan. You have to go through lynchings. You have to go through segregation, redlining, all of these developments along the way. And I'm getting kind of deja vu from our last conversation that the destruction of town What's now there are like mementos. You have the dorms that are celebrated by UGA, by the city. But to me, it is no different than a slave receipt framed on a wall. It's a fucking memento of racialized violence through policies and political power that were that was able to take... Th- over 50 properties owned by 33 families in Lennontown. Yes, right down the street, there was a white community that was part of the project area, and that's very much accounted for in the resolution. But that's actually how we're able to really see how much Lennontown was taken advantage of. The Lennontown folks get the bare fucking minimum if that. Whereas the folks in the white community down the street where Special Collections is currently located were either able to sell outright very easily yeah. or yeah. the judgments that they got from the city were on average eighty percent higher than what when the folks in Lennontown. Mm. So again, I go back to that frame slave receipt and I look at and when I drive by those dorms all the time I'm thinking they, they are celebrated as mementos. Creswell, Brumby, and Russell Halls by virtue of a program with the intent to displace communities that are classed as slum communities. Mm. And the solution is to put them in public housing or just to, just to say you're kind of on your own. Because once the city... So, the way that it worked is that the city received the federal dollars. UGA and the city had a co contract with the federal government. The city received all the dollars and they acquired all the properties because they function as what's called a local public authority. Only they can implement them in a domain. But then they sold it to UGA for like pennies on the dollar for that total project area of right at 220K, which is nothing. You have a a situation where, once the city acquired the properties, that property owner becomes a tenant in an instant. By law, they have to begin paying the city rent Hmm. on the property that they once owned until they're able to move to a new location. So imagine you're a black property owner having begun the process of re- building up your wealth, yep. just like Mr. Wilson, just like Mr. P- you're investing in property that you think and your kids think are going to be there for generations where they go off to college and come back and they get to, to raise their families there and grow it. That's gone in an instant and you're now a tenant. And so then in that process, as as the city is buying up property by property, You know, it's not done in just a lump land grab. It's done over time. And one of the things that the records show in handwritten notes is that the city was hiring out the local fire department to come in and burn houses to expedite the demolition process. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, do you burn a house to expedite? Like someone help me understand that. If there if there's a contractor listening to this, help me understand how burning a home mm. expedites a demolition process when you're, when your neighbors are watching yeah. their neighbor's they house being about, burned yeah. in the very era, at the very time where in Macon, Georgia, churches are being bombed. And I'm just sitting here. Thinking, I'm reading this. I'm going, Jesus Christ! Why?
0: Yeah, that's a tactic of terror. That's a
1: tactic of terror. Yeah,
0: that the city to specifically burn their house. I just imagine this image. I mean, yeah. it's so shocking to to know your whole neighborhood to to have lived in Lennon Town and your neighbor' house is Joe. Joe, neighbor, your neighbor. You look out your window in the evening. And Joe's house is on
1: fire. One of those houses was the family of Hattie Thomas Whitehead, mm. who is the chair of the Lennontown Project and is one of the co-chairs for the Lennontown Justice and Memory Committee with the city. The documents show that one of those houses was, was her house that, that the community had come together to build off of Peabody Street. It was a brand new house. So you had controlled fires... All the way to Bobby Crook tells the uh, t- tells stories of on Peabody Street right behind Brumby Hall w- when they were constructing. So his house, there's a photo where you can see his house and then you can see the back of Brumby. On the street, they were digging up trenches to put piping. You literally had to jump over the trench just to get to your house. Mm-hmm. And even then, they were placing all the piping just in the yard and they were doing all the bulldozing in the middle of the night while people were sleeping. And, and this is after the houses have been either in the eminent domain process or they've been acquired where the city has used code enforcement. And we can go into detail about this if, uh, but has used code enforcement to make judgments about properties that are in good condition. And most of those over there were in good condition and those that were in relatively bad condition they were still they could have been renovated as 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 the residents were wanting to do
0: yeah hearing you tell this story i'm i'm really shocked by the city's actions so clearly go beyond not acknowledging the humanity of Linnington. Yeah. Like, so much further. It's, it's tactics of terror, you know, that, that you're, you're burning the houses. It's so violent. It's so horrifying. You're bulldozing in the middle of the night, tearing things up, making as much noise as possible. They were going to great lengths to make an effort. To terrorize. They had to go out of their they
1: way. They going to go out of the way to do it. To, to terrorize. They the could have been in bed at yeah. 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a construction worker now, like if I had to work at 12 o'clock at night in an unnecessary way, I'm like, why, why am I here? Yeah. There are it, people sleeping.
0: Yeah. And those construction workers also, I mean, maybe they were forced
1: to, but. But they're still not. complicit.
0: Yeah. they No, but they maybe were totally fine.
1: I could. Absolutely, I the mean, I don't are, see man, really don't, many of them. They have no problem. Sure, plowing through people's fences. They just want to get yeah. the project done. So you got to yeah. leave. And these are yeah. clan. So these are clan tactics. Yeah. They on the surface, you know, I, you know, I can hear people going, "That's an exaggeration." And I want to say, "Is it?" Because mm-hmm. the evidence- mechanism terror mechanisms of terror mm-hmm. are to me categorically the same no matter if you're bulldozing in the middle of the night and doing controlled fires to push people out of their of their properties as fast as possible just as much as publicly lynching and going after people in terms of physical violence i don't see any categorical difference in in those things
0: yeah and I, and i think the note i want to re-hit on is that like the republican strategist said Mm -hmm. they've started to discover that they can't be so on the nose anymore you can't say the n-word anymore you lose
1: people right and
0: and the the clan the clan also starts to realize they realize that you can't just burn houses yeah and and you start to lose support and so what is, what is happening and that I think people are unaware of, and I can imagine so many people saying this is an over-exaggeration, but the, the tactics of the Klan and the influence of the Klan have just become so subtle and so legal and so mundane today.
1: So, and, and I want to use this because it's contradictory, so innocuous.
0: Hmm. Explain what that word means.
1: So it means safe to inoculate. It is boring to inoculate against a virus. Mm. It's to uh, to have safe exposure to, mm. and that's the. And I want to say it to emphasize the contradiction. So the mechanisms that were used in urban renewal, they were operationally and financially pretty sound. If 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 you did an audit of the records, uh, you would find that they did most of the thing by the book there were some there were other things that were that looked like clear uh, civil rights violations by going into bank accounts and employee mm-hmm. records folks in Lennontown but in general yeah. you look at it if you were to do an operational audit or a financial audit it it looks pretty efficient it looks pretty good and this is what we've been terming our methods as a reparational audit mm by identifying just how efficient and innocuous it looks is to pinpoint exactly where the violence operates.
0: Yeah. And it reminds me of that question you asked that I think you've painted such a clear picture that answers Hodgson's question of my dad just didn't know why people weren't excited about urban renewal. <laughs> right? We are, look, we're just improving the city. I don't get why people aren't excited by this. And even on the books, you would say, wow, people should be excited by this. But when you get to the details of the stories yeah. and you really look into it, you start to see the violence
1: and the terror that was legal. Yeah. You know, even now they'll say, but they... But it beautified the area. You have these dorms that are now able to take in an incredible amount of students, bring in revenue to the city, especially on football games. And I want to say those are mementos Hmm. of slavery, Jim Crow, and white supremacy in the same way that having a framed slave receipt on the wall is Mm. because the way that the city and UGA were able to get that contract 1959 U S Congress updates the housing act of 1949 to allow for universities and colleges to take advantage of of the urban renewal program without the requirement to supply housing in this amendment Colleges and universities weren't required to to provide replacement housing. You were on your own once you yeah. got the eminent domain judgment. The thing is, is that UGA and the city they got this federal contract like a year and a half after the after the update. That's insane amount of time. That's so fast. Mm-hmm. To push through a federal contract. And the reason why that worked is because President Adderhold was in direct communication with Senator Richard B. Russell and Herman Talmadge, mm-hmm. both ardent racists, direct ties to the Klan. And Russell, in communication, and we have copies of this, is pushing through this application. And in August of 61, The city and the university, they just jump on it. When in February of 1959, Linnentown had convinced the city of Athens to pass ordinances to pave the streets and update the sewage and all of the infrastructure. Hmm. If I'm a white city councilman at the time, I'm thinking... We don't have to even update all of all of these dirt roads and everything if we can just have the federal government pay for it and we put dorms up and, and we get more revenue. So we're talking about this massive acquisition of political power. And you think, how do these residents have any chance? And again, I, I say, Creswell, Russell, and Brumby Halls are mementos to our racist history in Athens, because of the way that it happened.
0: This leads to my question, which I don't want to answer today, but I want to pose, because this is the challenge of America. Mm-hmm. What do we do when we dis- when we discover the truth? What do we do?
1: I have a suggestion that we can get to.
0: Yeah, and and this I want to get into next time. Yeah, you know, I I want to get into you know, because ultimately it. And this is we had someone message that they hate our podcast and they are yeah. horrible and and we're racist against white people and all this stuff. I, I really I, I appreciate him messaging me. Sure. And I I because his frustration that he's not responsible for their actions is so right. In, in, a, in a sense that he did not.
1: On the surface, yeah.
0: The point of this episode, even for me, is, is not to shame me that I've done something bad, but is to reveal the the reality. And then f- for me to, anyways, I don't want to get into fixing it, because <laughs> I have, but I just like, this episode is shocking and brutal and is a good wake up call for action yeah and that me as a white person i don't have to feel guilty uh like okay it's kind of a waste of time if you're feeling like oh we're terrible people yep right yep yep okay Let's, let's get to work. Let's get to work. Let's get up. Let's let's get out. As Montu said, you have to go out of the out of your way to find someone that doesn't look like you. So between now and next episode, go out of your way. Right, and and to, a, to find somebody that doesn't look like you, have them over for coffee, go play a game of chess.
1: You know, right, and we'll get into what the Lennon resolution now that it's been adopted, we're very grateful that it passed and now now we actually have to do the work. And we're going to talk about in the next two episodes and really unpack the way forward in mm-hmm. reparational policymaking yep. and deal and walk through how this is a first step and got a long way to go. It needs to force us to reckon with these very real infrastructures and policies that are nothing but mementos and memorializations mm. of slavery and the clan, yeah. um, especially in Athens. Yeah, and that's and that's where it's so it's so hard to pry that out from people in power just because it's so ingrained
0: yeah i see it as clear as i've ever seen it Mm -hmm. from this story yeah let's uh we'll see you guys next thursday yeah go see some people that don't look like you and have a good weekend
1: yep yep see you guys next week So much of this project, I didn't do any of this project alone. Uh, All the research, all the organizing that I had to do with other people. And one person in particular who is at the core of both the research and the organizing is Rochelle Berry. And Rochelle is a PhD student in the Department of Geography at UGA. Her work centers on white supremacist landscapes and black geographies so she's looking in Athens and looking at how the physical geography the social geography is directly responsible for so much of the racism and white supremacy and black life here in Athens and she's also been a major organizer here doing a lot with the Baldwin Hall controversy and I learned and continue to learn so much from her. The very ground and surroundings that they lived on is central to understanding what happened in Lemontown. Town. And so, I, there's n- there's none of this project that I could have engaged in without her being just a co-conspirator. And she continues to do a lot of work in this community. And you know, like the focus of this of this podcast support our black organizers give them the money that they need to continue to do the work and i want to really highlight rochelle personally because of how much i've learned and continue to learn from her i want other people to be aware of that and give her your support uh her cash app and venmo are are posted below um in the information to the podcast